What does it take to create something that never existed before? What does it take to challenge the status quo? What does it take to change the world? This is The Swell Podcast. We're passionate about the seed of an idea and how it swells into a movement. Take a journey with us as we seek the answers to those three questions through the stories of thought leaders, world builders, game changers, disruptors, and other pleasantly rebellious humans who've ventured out into the unknown on a personal journey to do something novel, innovative, creative, or disruptive. So, Spencer, who do we have today as our pleasantly rebellious guest? Oh, we have a good one today. Uh, We have um, Ryan Smith in today's episode. He is the executive chairman and co-founder of Qualtrics, an experienced platform and management company. Uh, He's also the owner, new owner, of two professional sports teams, the Utah Jazz in the NBA and Real Salt Lake in the MLS. So so pretty exciting about that. Uh, We dive into his thoughts today, though, around defining what success looks like. I really like how he talks about that. Uh, How he sets crazy goals and backs into them and his vision for reimagining the experience for an NBA team, its fans, and its community. So, yeah, it was a, it was a great conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And we were, we were at Qualtrics in their HQ uh, in this wide open space. And Spencer, kind of tell us a little bit about, you know, kind of what it was like to record at Qualtrics. What happened? <laughs> well, you'll, you'll notice, right, the, the audio might not be, you know, perfect at the point where uh, someone started playing basketball right in the middle of their half-court basketball court, which is in the reception. It was super cool head office. No one was there until, of course, someone was there and they started playing. So Ryan had to get up, co-founder, and uh, you know, get up and tell them to stop. But um, it was, it was these things happen, and uh, it was just a great conversation. We enjoyed meeting with them, didn't we? Yeah, it was actually me that told them to stop. By the way. Oh, I thought, I thought he, okay, so he got up to tell him, but you'd already t- told him, okay. Yeah, I got up and yelled at them. I was like, stop playing basketball. <laughs> no, I'm, I, I, I'm just joking, but I really did get up and I told them to stop. But yeah, no, it was a fun interview, good times, uh, crazy cool office. Uh, Ryan seemed like a very genuine, authentic guy in, in our conversation, and it was really, truly a pleasure to speak with him. So uh, yeah, thank you guys for tuning in. Please like and subscribe to the podcast, and we hope you enjoy. We're good. Thanks for being here. No Ryan. problem. Appreciate you coming down it's, here. It's coming down to, to Qualtrics, right? It's easy. <laughs> More like the reverse. I, I actually wish I could do everything down here, but travel around a little much. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Well, we we wanted to thank you, but also, um, you know, over the years, we've always got some inspiration from you and from Qualtrics. In fact, I moved to the U.S., uh, specifically Utah, just because of what Qualtrics, Pluralsight and a few other companies were doing. Uh, Super excited about what what, what you've done. And actually, it's intertwined into stuff we've done. Uh, Dream Team and with other companies that we've worked for, uh, done some exciting things because of what Qualtrics has done. So thank you for that. you know, we are both passionate about uh, brand and culture fusion, in fact, like the importance of how they play off each other and making sure that we have really engaged uh, cultures. And so, you know, there's a few questions we tend to uh, try to get to in these in these podcasts. And what we haven't ever done is actually ask those specific questions directly. So I'm going to kick it off by asking you one of our uh, kind of themed questions um, for the first time, I actually ask someone directly the question, which is uh, what does it take? do you believe um, to challenge the status quo? What does it take to challenge the status quo? Um, So I've never thought about it that way. I kind of either think you see it or you don't. Um, It it just, for me and for people I know, like it just feels wrong, Mm. (laughs) right? So like when we go in and we say, hey, this is, how we should do something or how we um, shouldn't do something. It just feels, it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel whatever it is. And it's, it's right for me because the status quo might be totally fine for, for other people. And you guys have learned this in research. There's this, um, you know, massive, massive exercise called segmentation. Mm. And it's not that there's not segments of any audience that doesn't, you know, agree with the status quo. 
You know, you could come into a building, you could come into a house, you could come into a market, you could come into a company, and you will always have part of that group who are just fine with the way, they don't even see it different. You're like, oh, someone moved that chair. And they're like, oh, wow, that's weird that they moved that chair. Everyone else might come in or a segment of the group might be like, oh, I don't even notice it. Then there's a segment of the group that said, you know what? I hated that chair. I'm glad they moved it there, right? And for me, it's much more around futuristic goals and pulling organizations or people or things into where we're going, mm. not where we're been. And I think, I think oftentimes status quo, there's, there's too much mint there's too much around it, like things are sacred. And, and for me, that's, that's where I've always struggled. Mm. Like, we've never had sacred cows at Qualtrics. Mm. And that, that's where I just don't really, like, you know, rationalize. I'll never forget a story. Mm. Um, someone was talking about Google, and it was in 2014, where they were like, what's the mission of Qualtrics? You know, we need this mission statement. I was like, what do you mean? Well, at Google, it's, we organize the world's data. And so I went on this journey and it was like, oh, is this thing so amazing? Like, there's this mission statement that's on the wall and everyone's tied into it and they're organizing the world's data and every bet they make from YouTube to this ties into that and I think, I don't know what I was in. I was somewhere. I was talking with an early, early Google mm. executive. And they were like, do you know how that came about? And I was like, no. And we were on this topic. And they said, one of the founders got so sick of people asking, they just created something <laughs> that was all encompassing. And everyone now has it as doctrine that it's the sacred cow and it's really not. And so I think, I think challenging status quo for me is is all about where are we going not where have we been mm -hmm. and i i hope you learn from the past but you use it for the future that's the only reason why we need to learn from the past mm -hmm. is because it needs to help us to where we're going and that's that's how i think that's who i am like it or not like that's what i do yeah i love that I mean, if we, we could even go back to the past, if that's yeah. okay, back to even when you were a kid, like, is that something that was, was always there with you that you kind of, because what's interesting is there's, there's a comfortability with, with, with change, you know, it seems like, and, and I, just, I, I love the idea that nothing is, there is no sacred cow, and I'm just wondering, kind of like, um, yeah, as a, as a kid, you know, when you're thinking about setting this, this long game or set this futuristic vision, did you have those as a kid as well, and or I guess where did yeah what did you see? I don't I don't know. I mean I I think that as a kid I've always become pretty uncomfortable with being un, or pretty comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah. Right. You know whether it's life circumstances where it's how I grew up it's it's where it's at it's like you kind of either looked forward or you didn't really you know or it wouldn't have been that enjoyable. Mm -hmm. And then I learned early on from my parents is like. If you want to go do something, go do it. Like, if you want to go make it rain, like, make it rain. <laughs> yeah. It's not just yeah. going to rain for you. Yeah. And so, you know, um, and I had to learn that the hard way. But my, my education on this, like, you know, probably if you look at where I was as a kid and where I was at 12 and 16 and 18 and 20, even like 22 when we started Qualtrics, um, not, it's all kind of fluid, you know. Um, yeah. Fortunately enough, I was able to start as really young, yeah. really, really young, um, the business. But it's kind of all morphed together. It hasn't been something that has been so intentional. Like when I'm a kid, like you're going to have a great attitude. You're going to look forward. You're going to do this. Like yeah. that's not who I was. Yeah. It, it's actually, you know, there's probably times in my life where I've been the opposite of wanting to look forward and like, you know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's what's so interesting. Like, I know for me, one of the one of the big questions that I wanted to ask you was, you know, 
to go from where where you've been, you know, let's say from starting Qualtrics to where you are now, the rooms that you occupy, the conversations that you're having, like there's just a an extreme amount of personal growth, right? And I can imagine the the long games or the visions that you're setting for yourself, you know, are are out there. But there there's there has to be such incredible like because you weren't the person who can be in the rooms today that you were or you weren't that person, you know, 20 years ago or 15 years ago, right? And so I'm interested in like, what were some of the biggest, I guess maybe some of the biggest moments. challenges and oh. moments that, that you came across where it was like, I guess the real personal growth kind of moments where it was kind of like a pivot point for you in, in your growth to becoming the kind of person you are today. Well, I used to really think that, like I remember when we were starting Qualtrics, it's like, ah, I'm dealing with a CMO, like mm. I'm not supposed to be here. Yeah. Right, at the very beginning as a, as a younger kid. And then, um, and then as time grew on, nothing really changed. It's just sometimes you don't feel like you should be in that room or you shouldn't. And, you know, that's one of the hardest things that, you know, probably doesn't get talked about enough is like, you can tell when someone has the presence that they should be there mm. or they believe they should be there. Mm. And, um, it's almost like no one else changed, but there was a point in time with Qualtrics War. I had to be there. Right. If I wasn't there, no one else was there. I was occupying the chair where the person who had my role had to be able to go do a job. And that job was to go meet with C-level executives and go meet with people. And if I wasn't doing that, then someone else could come in and should have been hired to go do that. And... And that required a lot of work, to be honest with you, because it's not like everyone wants you in those rooms. But at the end of the day, I mean, people are people. Mm -hmm. Everyone is human and they put on their pants or whatever it is the same way. And, and I think that for whatever reason, I'm not, I mean, hopefully it'll always be that way it's no matter how big the room it is no matter where it is whether it's speaking with the president of the united states and 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 i'll never forget like I had, a, I had a pretty cool opportunity to sit down with barack obama um right after he left office and i was really looking forward to it and and you know i don't get super impressed like all the time like i i just kind of just do the work the job that needs to be done and and, and go home, try to get home to my family as fast as I can, right? Yeah. Like, in, in, I remember walking in to meet the president, like, and it's like, what do you expect? And it was interesting, because he just looked down, and the first thing he says is like, nice kicks. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. oh man, I should have worn mine today. And I was like, whoa, like, he's just a dude. Right. Like That's amazing. at the end of the day, you want to talk about basketball and <laughs> yeah. shoes and like that was like and it was so like, I mean, this is the, the, the yeah. arguably like someone who I admire a lot. Like like that's that was cool. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And then and then, you know, and then you know, the next day I sat down with Oprah and Oprah passed on some wisdom that that like I will never ever forget she said no matter who I interview no matter who they are without fail and think about who she's interviewed mm, every president everyone. everyone as they leave or the next day they text or ask her was that okay <laughs> was that what you wanted mm. Basically, every one of them asking, did I do a good job? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so everyone's insecure. And she pointed that out, like, straight up, like, mm -hmm. everyone wanted some feedback that they did okay. <laughs> and that's pretty funny. Like, everyone's human. Yeah. People are people. And so I think that the mindset of that... Um, helps when it comes to being able to be in a spot where you know you can be authentic and be you and so I mean I I don't change much whatever setting I'm in I mean I'm Ryan <laughs> like like it or not all my faults and warts and this is what you get right yeah and so and I'm not perfect and so 
you know, fortunately, I, I feel like I've had the opportunity to be able to thrive in an environment where I can be myself. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, there's, there's not a CEO that's like me, and I'm not probably like them. And so I think that that's okay. Like, that's, that's and, and I do my best work when that's the situation. Like, I'll never forget, um, I went in, like, our third board meeting was Sequoia and Excel when we took on venture capital. And my brother, Jared, was very articulate. And he'd create these PowerPoint decks that were unbelievable. Like, even to this day, there's nothing I, I've seen that are like his presentations. And, you know, he, he legitimately, like, would bring these things up. And then I would go present him as the CEO. Yeah. And it's just, they loved him. Everything was great. And then one day... I was preparing for the fourth, I think the third or the fourth board meeting. And I was like, Jared, this isn't me. Like, I can't do what you do, but it's just not me. It's not my style. And like, I took on the whole board assignment. And like the first picture was like Tiger Woods hitting a shot. And I was (laughs) telling a story about our quarter. And the second thing was this and that. And the board came up to me afterwards and they're like, how do we get more of that, Ryan? Mm. which was such a junior varsity version of what my brother created, but it's what they wanted to see. Mm. And so I think people respond to authenticity and they get to know you, I guess. Yeah. I'll, 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 I mean, even just hearing you say those words and, and from what I've seen from the outside, like that seems to be embedded in the culture. I mean, not both in Qualtrics, but what I'm, what I'm seeing, I guess, as far as, I'm a massive jazz fan. I bet I remember where I was when I saw John Stockton hit the shot over Houston that sent him to the NBA finals. Like it's just embedded in, in my blood. And I know from my point of view, what I'm seeing with the evolution of the jazz, it feels very, very authentic and very unique. And in itself, it feels like it's becoming its own kind of entity. And I don't know if we want to dive into this right now, but I'm actually really passionate about kind of like your point of view on you know, you can talk about uh, employee experience, customer brand. experience, brand and product, right? But when you look at it from a Utah Jazz, like and seeing some of the work that you've done with NFTs now, right? And I mean, just even watching the, uh, the playoffs this last year and seeing, you know, Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union on the sidelines, like the, the perception and the feeling of what it means to be a Jazz fan, the culture, at least maybe. the culture of, 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 mm-hmm. of, the, of the Utah Jazz, you know, within the state of Utah. And I think league-wide and everything like that feels like it's definitely like it feels like it's shifting it feels like it's being pulled into this future vision that you have and i'm kind of interested on interested in um yeah how you look at the experience of of what it means to be a a utah jazz fan or even a utah jazz player and you know kind of how these things are kind of evolving towards a future vision i guess yeah so i think first and foremost like um, we were super fortunate, our group, and to be able to to come into the second winningest franchise yeah. from an organizational culture standpoint in the NBA. And so the Millers never get enough credit for the steady hand and, and I mean, what what they've been able to provide and do. And then I think if you look at um, you know from an organizational standpoint, like when when you have that reputation, I mean, it goes back to the front office, it goes back to Coach Quinn's culture, which is unbelievable. Um, that like, how do you, how do you just augment that? I mean, in, in someone, right, right or wrong, I come from the experience world. Yeah. You know, I come from how, how do you figure out these experiences? Like, I, I feel like the mission in my life has become to get rid of sucky experiences, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, like yeah, we all yeah, hate them. Yeah. What is it? Yeah. But that's gnarly too. It's like, okay, cancer is a sucky experience. Yeah, it's absolutely. like, all right, roll up the sleeves. <laughs> this is a gnarly one, but we're chipping away at it, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're hiring cancer researchers. We're doing mm-hmm. stuff like we're, we're going, um, you know, systemic racism is a gnarly experience and we're not going to be quiet about it. Mm-hmm. Right. Our, you know, you know, I think through everything else that we're doing with Circle and Love Loud and LBG, uh, our, our youth that are coming out and they're, 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 they're having a bad experience, whether it's transgender youth. And, 
and everything that we're doing around these homes within Circle. Um, so I think for, for me, as I look at the total experience of the brand, of what it means, um, we are definitely taking saying, hey, if you are a player of the Utah Jazz, what is that experience? Mm -hmm. If you are an employee of the Utah Jazz, what is that experience? If you are a fan of the Utah Jazz, what is that experience? If you're a fan of the Utah Jazz in Utah, what is that experience versus this global reach that we have? Um, If you're a past player of the Mm. Utah Jazz, what is that experience for you? We haven't forgotten you, right? And the problem is, like, we've only been here nine months. And the good news is, like, every organization, I mean, there's only so much time in the day and so much money you can throw at it. But um, the Millers have done a such great job. The question is, is like, okay, you know, when there's a leadership change or an ownership change, there's normally a drop off. There's normally, you know, some sort of, you know, the old versus the new and we're just trying to like grab the baton and just keep rolling into the future but at the same time i'll be super honest um if you look at the tech world the last five years the world has changed Mm -hmm. like we 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 came in and i remember starting qualtrics and it was kind of this first first set of applications that were built on top of the internet Mm. so the internet came out it was going to change our world all this was happening and then people started building applications. And, you know, we're in the probably third or fourth inning of that where the promises from 2002 and 2003, 2004 that everyone ran away from in 99 because of the dot-com crash, yeah. like, is now happening. Yeah. yeah. Well, what's happening is if you look in the last four to five years, um, the world is so different than it was 10 years ago. Um, the way that people are innovating, the way people are consuming media, the way people are consuming data. Um, you know, there's not a na- game that doesn't go by where I don't have a hundred people blowing me up on Twitter going, hey, this is a <laughs> bad experience. Yeah. And I was like, okay, here goes the segmentation. We got the folks that are in the lazy boy chairs <laughs> sitting at home, they're loving life right now. <laughs> We've got the folks who are traveling, and then we've got this whole contingency that's cutting their cable cords, yeah. and they want it for free <laughs> on their phone in real time. Yeah. And, and this evolution at the speed it's going is going faster than cable contracts mm-hmm. because you're doing things. And um, you know, you're seeing big shakeups today um, with, with NCAA mm-hmm. and you know, all the conference, all this is about media, right? And so trying to get the, the, the future set up, um, whether it was me or the Millers, like we were all, I mean, the whole NBA, these are what we're all focused on. Right. And so um, it's interesting to take over at this time mm. as, as well as like, what do you stand for? And like, you know, we've, we, we are not, um, an organization because we're new that we we've seen like you know we got into something that is moving in a direction that is hard harder for, we 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 know what we got we've got a platform to go do good and the millers have done a ton of good Absolutely. and we're we're excited to continue it um and which we're excited to use the platform to be a positive voice in our community and you know that's that's what we've got to do we got to bring people along and you know what i love about the jazz and i always have it's something that a lot of people agree on in a world where i mean let's be honest people don't agree on a whole lot yeah you know politics are a disaster yeah. it's exhausting and you know there's you know, there's just not a lot that people come together on and so hopefully the jazz can be something that we come to come together on yeah I love that. I think it's great. You got another question? I do, but you go for <laughs> it. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I'm interested in how, how would you approach, I mean, something in your DNA you talked about, like the disdain of bad experiences, the dream of greater experiences. It's in your DNA, right? I'd love to know where that came from. Where did it start, start to 
you know, connect the dots that that was part of you. But, but, but just practically, how do you approach building exceptional experiences and reimagining experiences for all the things you just said, players, employees, the, the, the teams, ex, you know, previous uh, players, how, how do you go about that in a practical term, like to, to actually execute it, you know, over the next five years? What type of, I mean, you're gonna use your own platforms, your own tools, but what else do you have? What other things will make it successful kind of design of those future experiences? I think, I think, first of all, I think you need to, you need to have the desire, right? Like, I mean, we, we deal with getting experience data and gathering experience mm -hmm. data for 14,000, 15,000 brands. Mm -hmm. And okay, if you know where you can improve, do you want to improve, mm. right? And some people like, you know, they kind of lift up the hatch and they look down and they see something they don't like and they just shut it real quick. <laughs> They're like, ah, well, I don't have the energy for that. Yeah. Well, you're going to have to at some point, right? And so I think there's a desire. And what I love about the organization of the jazz and a quality, like we're trying, like I, I surround myself with people who have a desire to learn and to get better. And, and then there's a learning process, mm. right? Um, you know, the amount of experiences I've had where we've tried to roll out an experience and it hasn't been great. Mm. And we got it wrong. Mm. And we tried. We had the desire. We looked at it. And then you've got to get the voices of all those segments that are coming in and exactly what it is that they're, that they're, um, that they're feeling. And you can't make everyone happy. Like, the, the, the worst thing you can do is try to make every single group, like, 100% happy when you're dealing with an experience like healthcare benefits, right? It's mm -hmm. just hard. You're going to have, you're, you're going to, everyone's going to have to just kind of put their hands in the middle and say, hey, we're going to go and we're going to go through this together. Yeah. Right? We're going to make it as good as we possibly can. But some people are going to say, hey, like, we need better eye care. Some people say we need better dental. We need better. And it's like it's it's hard. It's hard to go and get everything. And so you really have to go on a journey. And you're either on the journey to make the experiences better or in my mind, you're going the other way. Yeah. And yeah. so all we're trying to do with the jazz and I feel like we've done pretty good in the first nine months is like, can you feel the journey? Are you with us? We're going to mess up. We're not going to be great. We're not going to get it right. The team's going to be good. The team's going to be bad. Like, this is what's going on. Like, but we're here and we're going on a journey and we're going to get better. Mm. And I think that's all you can hope for. Just that improvement. Can you tell us about a failure in relation to that? Oh, my word. <laughs> Just like, yeah, I, like, I'll never forget when I, my brother and I um, came in one day and we, we got really excited. Like, we... We, we had heard that our maternity program at Qualtrics wasn't up to par and it wasn't good. So we came up with this plan, he and I, that we were going to um, spend an additional $2 million and put it towards our maternity program and make it better. And we decided we were going to roll out this plan. And we were really excited about it. And it was disastrous. We, we had a group of working mothers who were just like, this doesn't work. We've taken steps backwards. And I was like, and everyone was upset with us. And I was like, whoa, like we could have had everyone upset with us without spending $2 million. And we spent $2 million. What did we do wrong? Mm -hmm. Why are we spending money to make everyone like, what did we do wrong? Mm. And it wasn't until we got together with a group repeatedly of a group that we, we had our Working Mothers Initiative group. And we realized that within their groups, they wanted different things. You had some people who wanted to come back to work quickly. You had some people who wanted more flex time. You had some people who didn't know. And there was a lot of anxiety because they weren't planning it properly as they were leaving that workforce for that amazing event. And it wasn't this glorious event. So what we did is we, we came up with this a la carte program where you could design prior to leaving 
for maternity, mm. your maternity plan. Cool. And for, for, for what your home circumstance was, because a single mother was having a completely different experience than yeah. someone that had um, a spouse that was traveling. And then we did the same thing for paternity and everything else. And it wasn't until we did that, where we brought everyone together, that we, we actually got to the right answer. Mm. And that, that's where I see, as a world, we've got to get better. We've got to get better at going through that process. Oftentimes, people want to say, well, just give me the maternity plan. Mm. And they're going to try and they're gonna invest in it and they're gonna get it wrong. And this is where we need to work together to get stuff done. And one of the things I like about Utah is I still feel like in Utah, um, and, and look, people make mistakes all the time here, but, but I still feel like we're a state where people can actually still come together and actually work together on initiatives. And even though they completely view things differently. And mm. when we don't do that in the state, it's always disastrous. Yeah. It, like, it never works. It's never received well. It's never intended. Well, I didn't mean that. Well, that's exactly what it, how it came across. Mm. And so I learned that the, the long way. That's really interesting. And I think, I don't know, I, I guess, because it feels like the way that we talk about, you know, the way that I talk about the culture of what it means to be a jazz fan feels like it's changing. And it feels like Utah's changing just as quickly, you know? Um, and it's very interesting. I know you mentioned the Miller family who's, who's left a, an incredible legacy here in Utah and been instrumental in, I think, the growth of the state and what we, what we are now. And I'm wondering, do you think about that at all? I know that's probably a big question, but the Smith family legacy as it relates to Utah, that might even be kind of like, what does it mean to win for you in the longest of terms, right? But do you think about that at all? I don't, I mean, I'll be honest, I don't really think about legacy. Yeah. Like, I have a good friend and we talk a lot about this. Um, like, who's the, who's the greatest businessman of, or businesswoman of the 1800s? I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah. Who's the greatest business person of the 1900s? Like, we don't think about this stuff. Yeah. Like, no one cares about business people. I think that, that's interesting, though, because I, <laughs> like, I think about it even beyond business. I think, when, like, I think a lot of people view yeah. you as something bigger than just a business person, right? Yeah, yeah, I agree. But, like, I think, I think people put way too much stock in what their legacy is. Mm. And no one cares as much as you think they do. Yeah. Like, like they really don't. Like, I don't. What, what a legacy for me is, is like, my, my kids like me. Like, let's start there. My mm -hmm. wife likes me. Yeah. Right. Um, my people show up at my funeral. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? That's a, that's a, <laughs> like, a good thing. Yeah. Let's start at this stuff. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. I, I see all these people who have just crushed it in the world and then at the end of their funeral it's like no one's there it's like yeah. hey everyone's like no this this person was a real piece of work yeah right like like i i i just i don't think it's productive for me to sit there and want to go and write the story because you know it's almost like the people who aren't thinking about legacy are the ones that actually make the legacy yeah and you know, at the end of the day, I just want to be able to like sit back and say, hey, with whatever I was blessed with or whatever we actually worked or got, we, we just did whatever we could to do our best. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'll, I, I mean, I mean, this sounds pretty cliche, but it's like at the end of the day, I was like, man, I'm just trying my hardest. I'm just trying my hardest. Mm -hmm. And I've been able to say that at Qualtrics and that's deep. Yeah. Are you really trying your hardest? Like, are you really, really, really trying your hardest to what mm. you're working on? Mm. Are you really trying your hardest to help people? Are you really, really trying your hardest with your family? And like, that's super simple, but it's super difficult. So I like that. You, you've talked about being all in. That's what you're talking yeah. about, right? All in in your faith, your family, your business. 
I think legacy, it can make me feel like, yeah, like we don't want to create a legacy, but I am interested in two things. One is how, what do you see the vision to be long-term, like the impact you want to make, not so that you build a legacy for your name, but that you can actually make yeah. an impact in Utah 20, 30, 40 years or across the world time. Like that's super interesting to, to you. What's that vision? Maybe we can go down that avenue. Um, other yeah. than that, we could go down no, the avenue perfect. of defining success, which I loved, would love to cover before we finish. But yeah, what, what do you see for the future? Um, and how do you plan for that? Like envisage it? Yeah, I think, I think um, if I think about the vision, it's hard for me to think like 10 years out. Mm-hmm. Like if you would have told me 10 years ago, what's the vision for Qualtrics? I would have shorted what happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, to the point that most people did, mm. like almost everyone did, yeah. <laughs> right? I can count the number of people who two years prior to us going public and us selling actually had the vision that this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, we raised money at $2.5 billion valuation 18 months before we sold, actually a year before we sold for you know, three and a half times that. Yeah. So, and no one saw that, mm. right? So I really question like, how, how far out can we really effectively visualize? Mm. You know, mm. that, that's, that's hard, right? And so, but you can dream, Yeah. but you can dream. And those are two different things. And so, so, for, for me, um, with what we're doing um, in the community is like, I mean, working on a lot of brand stuff in Utah, right? Like when, I, when I'm here, the brand of Utah is very different than, than what maybe the first thought is when you're outside of Utah yeah. and you hear it. Like if you look at what we've already created, like, the beauty I love about this state and what we're working on is like, you can actually change something. You're not gonna change New York. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. there's not, right? You can change Utah. Look what yeah. we've done with Silicon Slopes. Mm-hmm. Like, it has been, I mean, you know, you mentioned it, you yeah. moved here, right? Because of the work that people have put in and the jobs and everything. And like, you're not the only one, mm-hmm. you know? Our company alone has been recruiting four or 500 people. I was just in interviews with the Jazz yesterday and people wanting to relocate. like. It's awesome. And so I think that story needs to be out there. That, that feeling that you have, that you're like, oh, I came from somewhere totally different than here. And like, it's beautiful. It's like living in Yosemite National yeah. Park, like with a tech boom <laughs> yeah. and mm-hmm. you ski on the weekends. Yeah. So anyways. That's, that, that's cool. Not, not to look too far ahead. But you have a vision for dreaming big, though, but maybe bigger than you've ever, ever dreamt before. Yeah, for, based on for, the past. for sure. For sure. I mean, I, I think it's. But that requires a lot of work mm. because nothing just happens. It doesn't happen. Yeah. Like even the scholarship program that we did with the Jazz after every win this year is like people oh, yeah. understand we had like three Ivy League MBAs working on that for like a month straight. Just to get it right. And we still had Ann Coulter and Fox News like blowing right. us up that this is a bad thing. And I'm like, all right. Typically when Ann Coulter's calling you out, you're doing something right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. But but it's like, I mean, and then you see the end, you see all these kids who get schools paid for, and I'm reading the notes, and they wouldn't have had these scholarships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, everyone's saying, Where where's the scholarships for the non-minority people. Yeah. I was like, uh, at any university near you? <laughs> Have you seen the data? <laughs> yeah, it's so, working very well. So, so in relation to that, which was amazing, yeah, yeah. That, that, that experience, who, just remind me, where did that, that idea come from? Um, and, and how do you define that, the success of that program? Is it, it just- To be honest with you, I have no idea where <laughs> the idea came from. Like, it was almost like we were creating a PowerPoint deck on what we were gonna do in each of those experiences. And we just kept coming back to the education mm-hmm. experience. Right. Like the player experience, what we stand for, the education experience, this and that, so. 
Yeah, I like that. Well, do, do you want to talk about defining success? And we'll go back to because we, we find it fascinating in the last few minutes. Basically, you're, how do you define success? You've done it multiple times through your, through your life. You've, I think you've reiterated it several times that it doesn't really matter what other people see success as. It's a, it really matters what you define success as, which I think has affected me in a, in a really good way. Just, in, just don't worry about what other people are doing. Figure out what's, what's success for you. I'd love to know your method or your kind of um, your approach to how you define success but also I find it fascinating the, the backing into a vision like you talk about you know figuring out what you're going to do for so let's say a year from now and then backing into that and making it happen I'm not sure would do you have a preference where we go no that's perfect, perfect. <laughs> uh, do you want to comment on those yeah I mean there's a there's an often a uh, uh, an idea of um, how do you actually get things done mm -hmm. um, oftentimes you know, you learn this in tech with engineering, um, how many products are built without an idea of what, what it looks like when it's finished. Mm. You actually think about a creator, that's really hard. Yeah. It's like, hey, I'm building a boat, but I have no idea what it's supposed to look like. And this is, this is where the tech, the tech world happens. Like, um, you know, if you've ever built a house, like you, you, you actually, the, the more you spend on the front end, the better, the better it goes, the more you actually think through it. And mm -hmm. so I don't think a lot of people actually will go through the pain to make sure that every wall and every tile is the right way on, mm -hmm. on other things. Mm. They just want to run fast. And, 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 you know, we, we have this idea at Qualtrics where it's like, write the release, write the internal press release of what it's going to look like when that product's done. Mm. And then just look at it and be like, is that interesting? So I was about ready to go cycle all of the teams to go work on something. And that's what it's, that's what we're going to, that's a Everybody story we're going to be able to yeah. tell. I mean, life's about stories, right? Yeah. Mm. Like the only thing you have when you're older is you sit around and you tell the stories. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. what story do you want to be able to tell? And that's, that's what you just that when you say whether it's success or not it's like mm. if you start looking at the the world around what story do i want to tell like it's fun like i'll be in the moment now and i'll be like oh my word this is going to be a crazy <laughs> yeah. story yeah a crazy story i can already t i can see the story playing out as it is like I like I remember early on someone was trying to buy Qualtrics from us and this person we were sitting out in our parking lot and they were trying to buy us and I didn't know whether we'd sell the company or not and we walked into the building and I was like ah people are going to recognize you because it was a recognizable figure and so I made him put a hat on and he was like, oh, okay, I'll put the hat on. But it was a Qualtrics hat. And this person was a competitor at the time. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a great story. Like, he's wearing, <laughs> he's wearing the hat. And, like, I saw, I saw, like, right at the moment. I was like, that's going to be a great story. And then later on, like, a couple weeks later, he was like, so what's your decision? And I was like, well, we're not going to sell. We're going to go for it. Like, and he's like, well, what makes you so sure that you're going to be able to do that? Mm. And I was like, well, I, I, I got you to wear a Qualtrics hat and walk around our building tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're good. And, and so you just see the story. Like, mm. it's, it's about stories. Like, I, yeah. I don't know. It's kind of how I feel. Is that, how far back is that, is that played out in your mind? In no, your it, this is something that I've just learned Developed. from so many initiatives mm. that either work or mm -hmm. don't work and then seeing the past side of them like i remember even during COVID, like i see it now i see when we all ramp up the excitement's there the team's getting together mm. we're saying hey we're gonna go charge this hill mm. after you've charged enough hills you see that like okay like i know how this is gonna play out that's like, a great way of using stories isn't yeah it? what story do you want to tell yeah like COVID hit and we launched this like work from home pulse thing. And I was like, wow, this is gonna be really cool. 
this is going to be a great story to tell. Mm -hmm. Let's get 50,000 people to like use it out there in the world where they can actually, for the first time ever for free, go and ask their employees, are you good? We just sent you all home to work. Are you good? Like, you know, think about the maternity. It's like, it's different for everyone. Are you all right? Yeah. And, you know, even today, like the data then came out where it was like, okay, people are trusting their employer more than their governments during COVID. And it's like, wow, that was like a real, we watched us line that up in a week and a half. And the whole team worked together to go ship something that was mission driven and pulling all nighters. And, you know, I think they changed the world for a lot of people. Mm, Yeah. And so whether it's cancer, whether it's this, whether it's that, I mean, that's how I think about trying to back your way into doing something that you feel successful. The other thing is uh, around the, the real question is around success is like, I don't care what other people think is success for me. Mm. I just don't like, that's the quickest way to unhappiness. Like of what you're supposed to be. Yeah. Right. Because I probably like no one else would have had this track that we've come on. Mm-hmm. Everyone else. I mean, I talked to 15 people when we were looking to sell our company the first time and 14 or like take the money and run 14 out of 15. Cause that was successful for me in their eyes. Yeah. And so I don't, I don't worry about whether someone else thinks we're successful. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I think, um, well, I think if I could just, cause I, I think that that's, you know, even going back to the idea of story, right. It's like, I, it's critical, I think, to know where you're going in a story. Like just generally that's, that's what you have to have that thing that you're aiming at, that thing that you're pointing to. And you have to yeah. believe in that thing more than anything else. And there, there was, there was a Imagine Dragons just came out with a new, yeah. uh, record. They just launched like three days ago at the same time. Drake and um, Kanye did there, so it didn't get a lot of play. But um, I love, like, there, there's a song called Toxic People. Mm. And it's mm. basically, like, it talks about, like, one of the lines is, like, spending your time on what you think I've done wrong. Right. Right? And it was just, like, there's just a group of people that spend their time. Or right. Like, I, I don't think that that's that shouldn't influence what you go do. Yeah. And if you let either one of those or either one of those drive you, then, and the problem is, is that's, that's the downside of social media. Mm. It influences you. Like whether you think about it or not, there are very few people that aren't influenced by that. Some people get informed by it. Some people get drive from it where, that pushes them and they need to pick a fight. And so that's like they're fighters, like that's how they get motivated. But for a lot of people, it just messes them up. Yeah. Messes up what they would normally do on their own and they can't get those voices out of their head. Yeah. I just read this book called Wanting mm-hmm. uh, about basically mm-hmm. mimetic theory, you know, our imitation of desire. We desire the things that we see and we have these models that we, that we then go and imitate. And I mean, it's, it's, it, what's interesting is you you follow these models you might see it on on um, on social media or whatever mm. but you end up going down that path which is you know effectively following somebody else's wants and somebody else's desires whatever somebody else wants and you end up at a place and you're like how did I even end up here mm-hmm. right and that's kind of going back to even your point about what other people believe is success for you if you're following that you can get down this road where it's like how did I get here you know and you're kind of questioning where you're up where you are who you are like what am I doing here I don't know. What is that balance, though, between obviously rich insights from the way that you work and Qualtrics can provide you these rich insights, um, but you still, at the end of the day, you have to decide. You can't just follow what necessarily everyone's saying. I mean, you've got to still decide what success looks like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, we know that disaster is when you don't have any insights. Yeah. Right. Right. We know that's disastrous. And this is why it's so hard right now is because, you know, there's, you know, I'll just take our local media market. Historically, there's always been like in most media markets, there's always like two media outlets 
there is a conservative one and a liberal one, yeah. right? And that's what happens. And those are the voices for an entire region. And it happens everywhere. Like, um, but now with where things have gone the last five to 10 years, like there's 10,000 voices. Mm. And so you need to be very thoughtful about which ones you're gonna bring in mm. to your world, right? And so I, I think that at the end of the day, you know, those can validate you. Um, and they can help give you insight to drive action. But at the end of the day, you have to take action. The companies that we see where they do the best is they leverage Qualtrics, they gather data, they gather the insight. And what they do is they use it to develop a culture of action. Mm -hmm. And now that action just kind of rolls. Like whether they have the insight or not, they're kind of trained on it. Mm. Like they're, they're opening up the communication lines with their people and their people can be their employees, their customers, who everything else. And it's just one fluid world. And that's easy to do if it's just you or you're in charge of something where it's just you and a handful of people where you can just get in the same room and you know what's going on or whatever it is that you're working on and you can drive it. But when you're in charge of driving something for masses, whether it's customers, whether it's employees, at scale, mm. right? You know, you think Amex, right? Mm. Where it's mm. like, it's not one-to-one -one anymore. Nope. It's one-to-many and many and many and many. Mm. Well, how do you deliver that same experience that you would, that any company could if you knew you could get them one-on-one? -on -one? Right. You can't, right? You've got to deliver at a scale. And so that's where you're able to like really move. Yeah. That's good. It so is good. Do you, do you I, want to touch on, I know we've only got three minutes. Yeah. Family, how do you define success in family or do we go down some rapid fire questions? What do you want to do in the last three minutes? I think I'm okay if I just can ask maybe one yeah. more question. You Let's can do it. I'm just wondering, you know, what are you currently kind of going back to the idea of, you know, growth and, and, and action? Like, I guess what, is there anything right now that currently scares you that you're that you're venturing into? Is there anything that I mean, nothing, you're kind of pushing through it, I guess? No, 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 no. I mean, the same stuff that um, that probably worries me is the same stuff that has worried me in anything I've done. Mm. Right. Like, I mean, it's almost like you give feedback to to two people if you've ever done 360 reviews or whatever if you track them throughout their career people are telling them the exact same thing in every review <laughs> right mm. it's like if i if i were to work with you or you were to work with me and you're like hey ryan let me just point out some of your blind spots <laughs> i haven't heard them for the first time yeah they've been told to me my whole life <laughs> right and so if i look at like hey what i need to be cautious of or what i be careful of it's like you know I, I like to take on a lot, mm. a lot. Like I like to attack the gnarly stuff, the big stuff, the, it's what I love. It's what gets me. I enjoy it. Um, but it's hard and it takes a toll. And so, you know, balance is always the hardest challenge and like being present and, you know, now, as you said, the rooms get bigger, the people get bigger, the, 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 the stakes get higher. I love it more, mm. right? And so you've got to try extra hard to really be intentional about how you spend your time, what you do. And, you know, it's okay to say no. And that's been, I, I, I'm not a person that likes to say no a lot. I like to say, yes, let's go. And so I'm, I'm learning how to like manage that. Mm. And then you're also building from scratch. But at the end of the day, I'm, you know, I'm in my early 40s. I'm young. Like, yeah. I'm going to work till I'm 80. Yeah. So I better figure it out. So it's not scary. It's more just what are you being cautious about? Mm. Like, what do you need to do? Like, self-destruction is not an option. <laughs> I hope not, and yeah. having your family not love you and like... Mm like that you're you know they didn't grow up with a dad right and so like how do you do everything because mm -hmm. it's easy to wake up and we all do we all do and everyone does it is easy to wake up more than once a year 
where you seriously feel like you're failing at everything. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I appreciate, well, I appreciate that you didn't say no to this interview, <laughs> to this podcast, you could have done. Um, but, you know, even when we bumped into you, you were with your kids, you were doing something with your kids. Have you got any last bit of advice over the last 18 months that you've learned about how to be more successful as a father, as a, as a, as a, as a family? No, I mean, <laughs> look, I, I think, first of all, like, just try your hardest. I mean, it's not perfect. Like, no one's family's perfect. Um, and if you think the family's perfect, I've always, I've always looked at those families growing up because I came from a pretty shattered home. And, and, like, I used to think, like, everything's, like, so beautiful. And it just, then you kind of see what's behind it. It's like, so, so this image of this perfectly balanced, perfect family of this and that, it's like, no, people, whatever, whatever you think you're dealing with, everyone else is dealing with at a different level. They've got their own. Mm -hmm. My wife always says, everyone has their sack of rocks mm -hmm. that they've got to pull around. Mm -hmm. And no amount of money, no amount of success, no amount of fame um, eliminates that sack of rocks. Mm. And I think that there's, there's a perception in the world that when you hit a certain point or you do something or you're in this field or that field, whether you're a model or you're this, you don't have that. Well, no, you have a different sack of rocks and it's, it's real. Yeah. And so I think for me, my number one thing is just how, how, do, I, how do I just take the madness that's going on and just have a safe zone where when I'm with my family and I'm with, with my family You're and, present and, and, yeah. and I, I do a lot of doubles and triples. And I talk about all the time. Like I, I'll bring people to certain things. I mean, you've got your kid with you. Today. <laughs> That's a double. That is yep. a total double. That's a double. <laughs> right. And I encourage that. Like yeah. I would never like, we're here doing a podcast. And people don't understand this. I would never be like, hey, bro, what are you doing here? Why aren't you in school? <laughs> I'm actually loving it that you're here. I'm loving it that you're in school, that you're together at work. And people don't do that. No yeah. one would ever say no to that. Mm. So I try to do that. Mm. And now I'm sitting here going, man, I should, I should bring my, my kids along. And like, they want to separate the work. Well, that's not realistic. Mm. Yeah. That's not life. It's not life. Like, I grew up loving, I mean, how crazy is this? My, my dad was a professor. I grew up going to the, the Marriott School where he taught when I, when he taught at University of Oregon and then came to BYU. And I grew up running around that place as a kid. I would just get dropped off. I would go try to find enough money somewhere to be able to buy an ice cream bar, right? Yeah. And you know, sometimes it involved jumping in the fountains and getting it out of there or whatever it was. Like I was like, <laughs> I was like determined, right? Well, as you fast forward, it's like, I came, I, I hit 20. I was like, I want to go, I want to go to school there. Like, and it was like this full circle moment mm -hmm. for me. And then like this week, like I'm teaching a class up there and I'm sitting up there going, whoa, like, it's a part of my dad. Like, it's a part of my family. Like, 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 and I would just be like, what if my dad was like, no, I just kind of want to separate my work and home. Yeah. It's, I wouldn't fault him. Mm. I'm sure he didn't want to be at work longer than he had to. Mm. But he integrated it. And now it's like this huge thing that we all have when the boys go up there, it takes us back to a story or a moment for our kids. Mm. And I walk in with my kids and I was like, you, you know, when my dad was at work, this is what we used to do. And they're like, so, and they have all these questions. And like, he probably didn't think about that when he was like, yeah, just drop Ryan off and let him hang out with me for a couple hours while I still work. Right. Like, he would have never thought through the legacy of that. Because if he was thinking about legacy, he probably would have never attacked it that way. Absolutely. No. It was just being with that. 
So instinctively did something that made a big difference to you, right? I mean, the, the big question I, I often have in my mind is how do I want someone to feel? But I mean, he didn't, he just did it instinctively, but it was, how do I want to make Ryan feel when I'm working? He just didn't say no. He yeah. didn't say no, and, and it, but it made you feel you know, included and yeah. have a knock-on effect, it sounds like, you know, in just yeah. that one small decision yeah. you made knock-on effect well thank you so much yeah. no problem um, we appreciate your time uh we will let you know what's going on with the, the podcast we won't ask you how people contact you i think they know who yeah. you are um, but we uh, we really appreciate it thank All you right. so much awesome. All right.